Welcome to Hillcrest Chapel Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. It's the final one. Good morning, Hillcrest. How's everybody doing? Good out there. Good. You guys are filling in. When the high school and college students are missing, you have to double up your game. Right? So I need you extra present this morning. So uh, glad to have you. If I haven't met you yet, if you're relatively new around here, uh, my name is Christian Lindbeck. I'm the pastor here at Hillcrest. I'd love to meet you. So if I haven't met you, um, I'll make myself super obvious and loud, which comes naturally to me. And if you'll swing by and meet me and introduce yourself about a thousand times, I'll remember your name. Uh, And so it would be lovely to meet you. As Tim already said, it's the end of a short series we did called The Art of Being Human, uh, Celebration Sunday. Then two weeks, uh, we kick off a new series called Stronger, The Story of Jesus Through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, And it will really focus on Jesus' strength, not our capacity, but His and our ability to walk with Him. Um, We sure hope that The Art of Being Human has been a cool series for you. Uh, It surprised us with how fun it was. Uh, we intended it to be thought-provoking and exceedingly practical, like you could walk out of here and apply those messages, and so we hope that it has shaped the way you think about life and the way that you live, and it's been good for you. Um, if you've missed any part of it, or you want to review a part, or you want to share it with somebody else, which frequently happens, just go on our website, find resources, messages, and you'll find everything there and uh, ways to share it back out. Um, it's also, right, been a ton of fun to have the artists here each week. So all throughout the series, uh, we've had artists from our community who are creating as an act of worship. I bet that you, along with me, have been simply blown away about what they are able to create in such short a period of time. With paints and a canvas and nine months, I could not come up with something like that. And they paint it just during a service, and it's this beautiful compliment uh, to everything we're saying and singing, and so it's been outstanding. So thank you, Kathy, and all the artists. I see Heidi over there. So all the artists who've participated in this over the month, uh, we're grateful. I do want to say, too, that as you make Hillcrest a home, we want you to find a community that intentionally includes the arts, that it's a part of our culture to find ways, different ways to explore creativity uh, and the way we can worship God. You will see dance and poetry and painting. In fact, uh, one of the greatest reasons to join our Facebook page is just so that after service, you can go see the poetry and uh, paintings that are posted after each worship gathering. Again, they do it just during the worship gathering, and they're extraordinary. I usually find the poetry to be a more concise and more beautiful version of something I was trying to say for 60 minutes. It's like, uh, next time, I'll just tell it to you. You say it, and we'll be done. Uh, But check that out. Amen. I asked you to fill in. That was good. Yes, all right. Now I'm going deep, though. Uh, All right. Uh, Finally, as to the art pieces themselves uh, that you see up here, we do want you to know uh, that all the art that's been created will be auctioned off, and all that money will go to the further exploration of arts at Hillcrest. So if you've liked or desired any of these pieces, just watch for more information. Uh, You'll be able to pick up those pieces, and it will help us do more as it comes to the art. Okay. Now, finally, uh, back to our topic this morning, the last week in the art of being human. Now, over the past few weeks, we've uh, 
explored the art of wonder, how to recapture wonder. Uh, We have talked about the difficult-to-manage art, uh, craft of having a healthy relationship with our technology. Uh, Last week, the art of walking with God in the midst of our anxiety. And this week, in the last week, we are tackling the art of friendships in the age of loneliness. And no kidding, the age of loneliness is a real title for a real problem. Of all the things that uh, our culture has been named recently, age of loneliness is one being used among physicians and psychologists and people who provide care. Um, A very real problem. You may have read recently, did you see this, that the UK has appointed a minister of loneliness? Literally, because they identify it as one of the most toxic and critical threats to the well-being of their country, they've actually appointed a government position to begin to see how they could tackle this problem in their community. Um, Last week, Tim and Christy, well, that was awesome, Uh, so by the way, thank you again, uh, talked, they used this powerful visual illustration to demonstrate the scale of the problem of anxiety. If you're here, you remember they had one-third of the audience stand up. So you could see at any given time, one-third of the adults in our community are struggling with really serious anxiety. If, if I were to run the same experiment with the statistics on chronic and disabling loneliness, half of the room would have to stand up. One of every two people would be reporting serious, chronic, like disabling loneliness. Um, And loneliness, like anxiety and like the use of technology, are all on a steep increase. And I think we've tried to suggest over the past three weeks that those things are probably related one to another, but we see the steep increase of loneliness. In fact, uh, the number of people who report that they are profoundly lonely in a busy culture has doubled. And this is self-reporting. So this isn't the people who are keeping it a secret, but those who Self-report, that number has doubled since 1980. Not since 1900 or something, right? Since 1980, the number of people who report serious loneliness has doubled, which means there is no other health crisis in the past 100 years that comes remotely close to the problem, the actual problem of loneliness in our culture. I was uh, reading all these articles in preparation Uh, for this message. And one I read was in the Harvard Business Review. It was written by the Surgeon General. And literally, zero exaggeration, he says, is the most common damaging pathology that I am diagnosing in patients now is not diabetes or, um, uh, uh, what was the other one he talked about? Heart disease, lung problems, but diagnosable loneliness. Surgeon General said, it is the most critical health epidemic that I have been able to put my finger on in the past decade with massive implications for our culture, our productivity, human relationships, and human health. Uh, Another group of doctors separate from this team was studying what's the health impact of loneliness? Does it physically impact us to be lonely. And again, without exaggeration, they said after some calculation, we can see how it's impacting people's bodies. We had said it has the physical impact of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 
So smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and being lonely are having the same damaging impact to your mind, to your heart, to your cardiovascular system. It literally makes a physical impact to you, to us, to be lonely. And it's interesting, they said, the, the impact is so huge, but the response is so tiny. There's millions of dollars being spent on other problems, but the response to chronic loneliness and its wildly steep increase is receiving very little response in terms of time, money, effort to figure it out, even a strategy for what we might do about it. And I'm going to say for the first time today, I think the church has the answer. Um, You may know, it's probably obvious to you, that the Bible and now hard scientific research both show not only that loneliness is hard, but that the opposite is true. So it's not just that loneliness hurts, but healthy community and real friendships are profoundly beneficial. Let me say a creationist thing. It seems that we are made for community. Uh, In other words, we're designed to be together inherently. Uh, Somehow we evolved that way, I guess. But uh, right, no, but literally, uh, God made us to be in communion. He made us to be in community and to have real relationships. So again, not just the Bible, but science says, hard research proves that real friendships and community are not just good for us emotionally and spiritually, although they are, but also practically in terms of productivity and physically. Uh, One of the most interesting things I read too, and there's so many interesting things, was that People who report having close friends and community have better immune systems. It's not just I like a markedly better immune system. They study two groups and it finds out having close friends, which you think might be giving you the cold, uh, has the exact reverse impact, which is it creates a healthiness in you because we're made to be together that helps you combat illness. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, which isn't your always most cheerful book, I love it. It's an honest book. It does have this very good thing to say about friendship. Beginning in verse 9, it says, Two are better than one. Amen. Because they have a good return for their work. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep each other warm. But how will one person keep warm alone? Though one is easily overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly or easily broken. Practical truth about how we're made to be friends, made to be in community. So the questions for us then is, why is it so hard? And what can we do about it? Why is it so hard? I mean, college, anybody can make friends in college. That's the easy breezy days. Well, that's probably not true. But it's certainly as an adult, I'm going to say that 18 is different than 48 for me in, in so many ways. <laughs> uh, but in particular, for making real long and lasting friends. So why is it so hard? And what can we do about it? Well, um, here's what the experts, there were lots of lists, but if I distilled down what the experts say, here are the reasons we're finding it so hard to make friends, to make and keep friends these days. Number one, we are busy. Those, the quotations on that, I put their purpose because what they say is we appear to be busy 
And that there is, I love this, are you ready? An, ov- an assumed, overt uh, merit in American culture of being obviously busy. Like, we admire people for saying, I can't possibly do that, I'm just too busy. Can you, ah, oh, someone's busy, I have so much to do, I can't even talk about it, I'm, t- I'm totally, bu- I'm busy. Like, marching around, looking busy, we're like, that person's on it. <laughs> Sally is very, she's on top of it, she's very busy, <laughs> Uh, it, it's like a cultural, to, we admire each other for our busyness. Uh, it's, it's so we put on this, we carry in our hearts and minds the sense that we are and must be busy. But it's funny, research shows we got more free time than many of the generations before us. We, uh, by far, turns out a machine washes our clothes now, by the way. Water comes out of a tap. Boop. You ever stood in front of a microwave for 30 seconds and been like, are you kidding me? Like, I got, I got stuff to do. Right? Uh, we got time. We just are investing it differently. Go back to my message on technology to see some of the bad places we might be investing it. We're busy. You know, not too busy to miss the bachelorette, but we're busy. <laughs> Snap, I said that, right? So, uh... We're investing our time somewhere else where we might be investing in relationships. Number two, we have surface relationships, they say. Lots of surface relationships, very few deep ones because deep ones take work. Now, I'm going to take a moment here to talk about some stereotypical geographic differences in friendship. Uh, so some of you, anybody been from the, from the South or lived in the South? Okay, what up, South? Then you know that's some overt friendliness. Like it's in your face friendliness but you might get knifed in the back as soon as you walk away. Sometimes it's a little over the top, right, honey? I mean, it's, you know, when you get sugar right away, you know that it's not real, but it's like friendly all over you, and sometimes that remains surface. It takes a while to break through glib friendliness to get to real friendliness. Um, How about the East Coast? Any East Coasters, Boston, New York in here? Sweet. Then you know nobody cares if you feel liked. (laughs) They might go out of the way to just make darn sure you know that they don't. It is a cultural thing. Now, let me say this about that. They are hard like granite. But once you get in, once you are a friend, you are family. I know these are stereotypical, but typically they won't let you get away with a surface relationship. Like if you go two weeks without a meal, they're like, what's the problem? How come we're not getting together? We're not friends anymore. What are you doing? I'm coming over. You know, those are the, <laughs> that's the flow of things. And they, these are the friends that help you bury a body, if you know what I'm saying, right? So... These are like deep friends. Okay, so we live in the Northwest, and I would ask you, but I'm just going to tell you what people say about us, our culture. Uh, They say that we are like our weather, cool and polite. Removed by nature. Have you heard this one, the Seattle or the Pacific freeze? Yeah. Yeah, We're very nice. We're not mean. Who would be mean? I mean, we're too close to Canada to be mean. (laughs) But we won't actually include you. You might be near us on your phone, but you won't be included. And it confuses the Southerner who expects you to be friendly. It hurts the East Coast personality because you never let them in. We never let them in. And it creates a culture of surface relationship in which it's not just allowed but sort of expected that we won't be deep or honest with each other. Now, before we get defensive and say I'm super friendly, this is a super friendly um, culture that we've created here, 
I just want to say I'm relatively new to my own area. I have moved in the Northwest. That's an eye-opener. And I can tell you there's a difference between polite and friendly and real community and real friendship. Um, let me just list off the last three real quick. Uh, reasons we find it hard to make friends. High mobility. We move a lot. We value mobility over relationship. Ouch. There's a whole other message there. I love, you ready for number four? Increased narcissism. Oh, what's up? Legit. Uh, people just think about themselves. And number five, artificial digital relationships have replaced real relationships. Now, there's no great surprises on this list. We can all see the problems. Again, I want to come back this morning to what can we do about it? Now, usually in a message like this, like we did with anxiety or digital health, I would individualize this for you. But I think that loneliness and anxiety have such a similar line that you might take some of the advice from last week in terms of how you address and think about loneliness. And because of that, what I want to do is switch it from an individual approach to a corporate approach. How do we, the church, how about how do we, Hillcrest Church, how do we, this community, tackle this problem within our own walls and within the community that is around us? Again, uh, I, I think it might be our reaction to say, hey, we're really friendly. But I want this morning to invite us to take a step back and just take another look at ourselves. Uh, and a loving, critical look at ourselves is what a church that loves itself can do. Can I pause? I'm going to so get off notes this morning to say, this is a wonderful church that I am so blessed to be a part of. I love it here, but change is in our future. It just is. Everything changes for the better. When it is on mission with God, it changes. And one of the ways I bet it's going to change, I'm praying along with you, is that it is going to grow increasingly good at involving people. And pulling them in and then growing this community and becoming, I'd love for us to increasingly make Hillcrest one of the most genuinely friendly, hospitable places in Bellingham. But we have to ask ourselves, what's it like to be new around here? How easy is it to be involved? It feels to me like everybody's already in a small group. Um, where is home when you have no home? What's it like to be single in a church that's so focused on families? And I just want to say, if we ask ourselves this question, the response will involve real work. Now, I don't want to just, you know, I don't want to give you another list of like guilt, to be a good Christian, thou shalt do this kind of stuff. But I'm just saying, if we want to address the issue of loneliness here and out there, we're going to have to, it's going to have a cultural response. And it's going to have things that we have to do to address the problem. And so, I, again, with love, this is my home. I, I hope that 15 years from now, uh, 20, we're all looking at each other and celebrating, again, what the Lord has done. But let me suggest three quick challenges that will help us tackle the problem of loneliness. And again, uh, clock enemy. Um, if I were to put my finger with the Surgeon General on the number one need of our culture right now, what would we say? Loneliness. It's so funny, I was blown away to find out that what's our doorway into life and an invitation to the hope in Jesus Christ of a neighbor who we think doesn't want to hear a word from us? Community might be that answer. 
If loneliness is this pervasive, then the answer that the church has, this might be our great opportunity, not our great downfall. So three in a row, and I will try to do them pretty quickly. Number one, to tackle the problem of loneliness inside and outside, we must increasingly be invitational. Uh, This is, hey, how about this? To have people not be lonely, you have to invite them out of loneliness. Should I just be done? Should we just, whoever praised over there? Yeah, okay, so uh, make this simple. Be invitational. Let me read you a quick passage, one of my favorite out of Corinthians, about our work as reconcilers. So I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... A new creation has come, and the old is gone, and a new one is here. And look at this. All this comes from God, and I'm going to insert words, who freely reconciled us to himself through Christ and then turned around and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the word to himself in Christ by not counting people's sins against them. And good news, he's committed to us now the same message that He was preaching the message of reconciliation. We are therefore commissioned as Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal to the lonely, to the separate, to the far away, to the lost through us. And so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, a Christian community. But we, we have to invite, don't you love this? He was the reconciler who made us the reconciled to go out and reconcile others. He says, you were brought into my community and love. Now I commission you, ambassador, go and do the same. Go find the lost, the lonely, the broken, the hurting the separate, and bring them home. I, I want to say, in this, and I'm going to say it really quick, three invitations. The first one, invite people to Jesus. And I want to say this simply, Jesus is the answer to loneliness. The heart of the Christian gospel is a person, not a church or a system of doctrinal interpretation. In other words, to evangelize is to proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ and not the church. To invite is to invite people here, not so much to the building, but to the person of Jesus Christ. He came to this world, died for our sins, and was raised from the grave according to Scripture and His promise. And as the reigning Lord, He now meets every human need with His forgiveness of sins and indwelling of His Holy Spirit to all who repent and believe. In other words, Our job, our first job is to tell everybody you need never be alone for you've been invited into the greatest of community. So we invite people to Jesus. Number two, we invite people, this is still under be invitational, but quickly invite people to Jesus, invite people into this community. So I'm going to try to make this really plain. Uh, If our job is to introduce people to Jesus, a really great way to introduce people to Jesus is to invite them into our community. Uh, to fold them into our friendship and our community so that we can introduce them to our Lord. That's how, you know, it might happen on the street, but it's likely to happen in community, that you invite people into our community, and that way we can show them who Jesus is. Now, oh, how soapboxy. Okay, so um, 
the problem, one of the, one of the issues with being an organized church like this, to be such a, for our, all churches to be an organization, is that it has the propensity to excuse us from our work as ambassadors, because that's what the church does. Right? That's your job. You guys talk about Jesus, and people get, you know, they come to know him, and then they join a small group. But most of us who work here are here all the time equipping all the other people who go here. So the ambassadors, that's, that's us. The out there who are inviting in the in here. And it has to be understood as our work to be invitational to Jesus in this community. It's too easy to get off mission. Um, I don't know how recently you've got to hang out with a church planter. Uh, Before this, I was in the business of helping church planters, and they're the most inspiring people to hang out with because they're bonkers inviters, (laughs) because they're super amped for their city, for their mission, and to tell people about Jesus and to see a church happen. So they invite everybody everywhere. Like their hairdresser gets an invite to church. Uh, the people changing their oil, you did a really good job with that. Would you like to come to church with me? <laughs> uh, checking out at the grocery store, invite barista, invite drive through barista, invite people are standing at the corner worth, invite because they believe in the transformative work of Jesus Christ in the community they're going to build together. They naturally invite. Um, it's contagious, by the way. Being invitational is one of those muscles that grows stronger the more you flex it. Um, When you came in this morning, you should have found one of these on your seat, which is now probably on the floor or has some wonderful coloring on it or something. But if you got one, this is our new series, Stronger, coming up. And we've intended to make it very invitational and for this to be kind of a tool to try something out. Right now, you only have one. I'd like to give you about five. You can pick up more on the way out if you'd like. But just try... Just try inviting somebody. Uh, no, nobody bites your head off for inviting. Hey, man, I've been wanting to invite you to church for a long time. We've got a really new cool series coming up that will tell you about who Jesus is. Check it out. If you need more information, the website's on there. That's it. That's the, that's the whole thing. An invite won't just change this church. It tackles the issue of loneliness. And i got to tell you what, as the church starts to grow with people who don't know Jesus, it will be the most informative infectiously fun thing that you have participated in in a while. It just is spectacular when you start meeting people who don't know Jesus, and you're like, well, this is the Bible. They're like, tell me about it. It's in two pieces. Why is it in two pieces? One's the old and one's... It's just, it's a blast to be around people being invited into communion, watch their lives be transformed. It's good for them. It's good for us. Uh, and finally, under invite people to Jesus, invite people to this community. I'm going to make this really simple. Invite people into your life, your home, and your honest mess. And nobody wants your religious, our religious facade. Ah, they're already think that's what, they're already thinking. Don't invite me. I will catch on fire when I enter the church. Or you don't want me in your home, or what? You just want to say, oh, dude, you don't know me. <laughs> you should come hang out with me. Pretty soon, you'll be praying for me. Uh, invite them into the real humanity. Uh, a great way for somebody to meet this Jesus community is for them to meet the Jesus community that meets in the four walls of your house first. So invite them in. Invite, invite, invite. Become invitational. Address people being on the outside. I know I'm going to get super scientific by inviting them inside. Yeah. Uh, number two, be deliberately, we must be deliberately hospitable. 
Uh, this is a good one too. Uh, and you know, hospitality, we usually think about like as a culture, uh, and we are hospitable, but I want you to think about hospitality as being a practical art. Uh, to be hospitable, I mean, if you're a hostess, you know how practical it is to host somebody in your home. You can't just have good intentions, you have to get ready. <laughs> I really thought about you coming over. I felt super good about it. I didn't make any food or anything, and the front door's locked and I'm not home, but I hope that you feel good, right? Uh, you leave them the good parking spot in the driveway because you know oh, it's dark if you have to walk around the other thing. You clear all the junk that you've got on the stoop that's there from your kids. You straighten up your living room. It's clean, but not like that kind of crazy clean that freaks people out. Uh, you know, you put on some music, you light a candle, you prep some food. What's, that's hospitality. Why? Because you want people to feel welcome when they walk in the door. And so you think about what will make them feel welcome. Are you ready? That works here too. What? Yeah. So we want all those lonely people out there to come here. And guess what? We have to be strategically ready to welcome them like a guest. Uh, and you got to think. We have to think like guests. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into it a little bit. Think about this morning where you parked. Now, nobody raise your hand. Did you park like we're here for us, or did you park like we were expecting guests? No critique, just an honest question. It's just a framework of thinking, oh, I'm coming to my place, or I've got guests coming over today. What's it like to walk into our lobby? Are we gathered into all the small groups of people we know, talking? Are we eyes up, looking for people who are coming in the door that we don't know? Is the, you know, you're thinking, oh, you guys got music in the auditorium. I can't talk to anybody. I'm making an atmosphere, <laughs> right? We want people to feel welcome. Bring them in. Lift the head. Why do we, why do the ushers and greeters, why do I want them wearing, wait, till the big sign, I want like a we're glad you're here kind of thing. Why would that be? It feels weird. Is it officious? No, I want guests. We want guests to feel welcome. We want a guest to walk in and say, oh, that's where I go. That's why that's there. That's why there's a sign. That's why there's, an, I, I, just like you'd prep your home, we will prep our home. We will invite in the lonely and we'll make them feel genuinely welcome when they're here. Not pretend welcome but genuinely welcome, and that will take some strategy and some change from us. Hebrews 13, 2, I love this one, uh, and I'm just going to throw it out. If it's in the Bible, I can say it as a real promise, right? Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, my friends, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. In other words, treat the work of greeting the stranger as a sacred duty, the way you would the greet an angel or greet the Lord, go out of your way to be hospitable to the stranger, to have eyes, to see people, to notice. I'm going to keep the last one really short. Number one is invite. Number two is be deliberately hospitable. Number three is be invested in community. Now, um, look, I know that we're busy and that church is not your whole world. Uh, it's my whole world, and so I have a hard time not seeing it that way. But I know that you have rest of your life, and I, d- I don't expect you to be here all the time, be a super user. Uh, but I'm going to call this the be around, stick around, and participate rule. And I'm going to go through them quickly. Ready? Be around. Be around means church isn't Sunday. Sunday is a part of being the church. But there's more about, if, if you're leaning in to hoping to find deep friendships and community just on Sunday morning, it will disappoint you. It takes a greater investment of being around 
than just worshiping on Sunday morning. Stick around. Oh, are you ready? Don't just move around churches for kicks and giggles. If I say something irritating, which I am bound to very soon, don't leave over that. If somebody that you were in small group with, you get in a fight, don't, don't leave over that. If so, oh, here's where I'm going to get really, I'm going to do it. Somebody offers you a better job or an opportunity somewhere else, sometimes your church is worth staying over the opportunity. Because ultimately, these deep friendships matter. Maybe even more than mobility. That relationship matters. Last one, participate. Participate in community. I'm just going to pick on small groups because small groups is the heartbeat of what we do. Sunday mornings in small groups and our missions team, those are like, you know, and Sunday morning involves kids and youth and all that. Um, If you're not in a small group here, I'd say fix it today. Small group registration is open. There's a table out in the lobby. Go find people to do life with. Small groups are created to tackle the issue of loneliness. They exist for three reasons. To enhance and enrich our relationship with God, enhance and uh, increase our relationship with each other, and find us for ways to corporately serve the mission together. That will both missionalize and give purpose to your life and solve the issue of loneliness both inside the community and inviting others to participate. We can fix, start healing the crisis of loneliness. The world has a great need, and we have the great answer. Jesus and this community of Jesus followers can be the cure for loneliness in our community. We just have to increasingly choose it. We have to go about strategically getting ready for it. There are many lonely sitting right next to us now who need an invitation to your house or to lunch or to your group or into your conversation. And there are scads of lonely outside the walls of this church who are made for fellowship with their creator to be known and to know him, to be loved and to be healed. But they lack the invitation And he gave it to us to extend the invite and to bring them in, to make it a part of community, to heal loneliness, to help the art of being human, to make the church the friendliest place on earth. I'm going to invite our uh, band back up. And as we've done every week with this series, we're going to give you a moment just sort of think and reflect on these questions And I've got three questions as we had every week. And if you have a journal or you're taking notes on this, you might interact in these three places or anything else that God is talking to you about or the Holy Spirit is working in your heart about how this church tackles the issue of loneliness. And those questions go something like this. What can I do to make it better? What is my place to tackle loneliness in my home, in my community, among my neighbors and in this church. How actually engaged am I here? Am I invested in this community? And the last one is, will you lift up your head, break up your group, and see the other as the guest? Will you change your language, wear the badge, park somewhere else, extend an invitation as an act of worship 
faith as an ambassador and a reconciler for Jesus who has sent us out to reconcile the lonely. Amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Chapel. For more info on this and other sermons, go online to hillcrestchapel.com or visit us at 1400 Larrabee Ave in Bellingham, Washington any Sunday morning, 9 or 11 a.m.